Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. My name is Mike McGarry, and I'm your host. I'm here today with my good friend, Kevin Yee. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm good. When you said, hi, I'm Mike McGarry, I wanted to jump in right after and say, hi, I'm Kevin Yee. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in just a second about why. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so, Kevin is the college and young adults pastor and education director and probably everything else that needs to happen at church at church every day in L.A. County. Uh, Kevin is also one of my best friends in the entire universe and <laughs> a man who I love and respect greatly. Kevin, oh, why... Same, buddy. Kevin, why did you want to jump in and share your name <laughs> after I said mine? Well, if you didn't know already, uh, we co-host a podcast together with another good friend of ours. We uh, do? Clark Phobes. Yes. I did not know that. Thanos to Theos, right here. It's all about the intersection of youth ministry and comic books, and it's part of the Rooted Ministry Podcasting Network. All right. So, um, what do you love about Thanos to Theos? Why should everyone... I think you say, what do you love about me? (laughs) (laughs) What do you love about me, Kevin? Just boost my ego. I'm so fragile. Um, Why should everyone who listens to the YPT podcast also listen to Thanos to Theos? Because number should. one, because because Mike McGarry is one of the hosts. <laughs> but number two, we talk about all sorts of interesting things related to youth ministry. Uh, we talk definitely about all of the Marvel comics, um, the Marvel comic universe, um, and we talk a lot about how the themes and the topics that come up in these movies and TV shows. Uh, are reflected in our broader culture and how we as youth pastors and uh, youth workers, uh, we need to stay on top of these things. Um, This is probably one of the most popular um, cinematic universes uh, among Gen Z and Gen Alpha. And so um, this is a lot of the the worldview that they're getting. And so it's important for us to stay informed, stay on top of things, um, and also, it's interesting to the students. It's a it's a cultural bridge for us to be able to cross, uh, to be able to talk about um, uh, biblical themes, um, biblical doctrine uh, through the lens of uh, the Marvel movies and comic book movies in general. Yeah, one of the things that I've been um, surprised by, I guess, as we hear from listeners and uh, I just meet random people who who listen in, mm-hmm. is. Um, how many people who listen to the podcast who do not enjoy the MCU or comic book stuff? Do you also hear people like this? That, 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 there's they, a few, yeah. Where like yeah. their Cliff's Notes and cheat sheet for them because yes, they don't want to actually right. have to watch this stuff. Right. But they know that all their students are. So they're like, yeah. I just listen that's, to your podcast and then I'm able true. to talk with students about it, even though I really do not want to watch it whatsoever. That is absolutely true. So, it's just yeah. kind of interesting. So, yeah. 
we're we're a good cheat sheet shortcut cliff's notes uh to the mcu stuff yeah yeah all right well this is not a thanos to theos episode um although we could uh easily run down that that track and uh, as as kevin and i are talking we're also getting text messages from clark phobes um (laughs) (laughs) right now uh on our very active group thread and uh clark's are the third member of the thanos to theos crew and we're gonna have him on in a future episode coming up too uh but for this episode before we jump into talking about simple theology how do we talk about and teach theology in a way that's actually understandable and applicable to real teenagers. Uh, Kevin, we want to get to know you a little bit more uh, as your teenage self. So uh, the question of this season uh, for our guests is to tell us a little bit about your first car and maybe a fun story about your first speeding ticket or car accident or something along those lines. All right, so my first car... Uh, which I got when I was a at the end of my sophomore year in high school, so I was 16. And my first car was a 1985 Cadillac Seville four-door uh, car, sedan. It was a V8, and it had something ridiculous like 75 horsepower or something. <laughs> like, the amount of horsepower that car had, uh, considering how big the engine was, just didn't, doesn't make modern sense. Um, I think it it took like I think the gas mileage on that car was like six miles to the gallon or something. Um, and it like was six gallons ama- per mile. It, it was amazing. Yeah, it had the biggest leather, the softest and largest leather seats, uh, like ever. Um, it had a cassette player, which was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I plug in my headphone adapter to the cassette player and it would go into my portable CD player. <laughs> That's how I listened to music. Um, and every yeah, pothole was, you hit made it jump, right? <laughs> it didn't jump, dude. That car oh, had a mine smooth were crazy. ride. No, that car had yeah. a smooth ride. Nice. Um, we could fit five people in the back seat because it was just the widest thing five ever. Five people? <laughs> Yeah, you could fit five people, like wow. thin people, side by side. It was crazy. That's crazy. Um, it had it had the biggest trunk. And uh, my crazy story how is how many when people I could was, you fit in the trunk? In the trunk, I've never put people in. No, really. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a yeah serial killer, so oh, I don't do wow. that. Yeah, I didn't mm. do that. That's good. To um, know. <laughs> I haven't done that either. <laughs> um, but that car. Uh, there's a crazy story. So when I was a senior in high school, uh, I picked up my friend from school and we came home to do a, a project and we were uh, video, we were doing some sort of video project and we were filming inside my house and I had forgotten my tripod. And so this was, we get into the house, we probably ate something real fast and then started uh, thinking about what we were going to record. And then I was like, oh, I forgot my tripod. So it must, it, it was basically less than an hour since I got home and then I come back out and I'm holding the the keys in my hand and I, I used to park out on the street because my dad would need the driveway to get his car into the um, garage and I'm, I'm out there on the street and I was like, oh, my car is not here. And I was like, oh, I wonder if my dad came home and took the car out for something. And so I walk back in the house and I'm like, mom, did, did dad come home and did he take the car? And she's like, no. And then I was like, 
because my car's not there. And she's like, wait, your car's not there? And I was like, yeah, I parked it on the street. And she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, pretty sure I parked it on the street. So we all walk outside and we're just like flabbergasted at this idea that someone would have wanted to steal the car. Yeah. Right. And then secondly, that it like took us like a good 10 minutes to realize that the car was like straight up stolen. And so we were just looking at the street, like what the heck just happened? Like, why would anyone want to steal this car? So yeah. So my very first car was stolen after I only had it for like a year and a half. Like straight up legit stolen. Straight up legit. They stole I'm waiting the for car. the punchline of like, you know, it rolled down the hill. No, nope. it was put it straight up. It was, it it was stolen. Nope. It was wow. stolen. It was gone. The worst part is my friend uh, left some stuff in his ca- in the car, like I think it, like some some like his gym bag or something. Yeah. So he was like, "No, I lost all that stuff." Wow. Um, yeah, and we found it. Like the cops found it like two weeks later, and it was in like a neighborhood like fifteen minutes away from us, and it was just abandoned on the side of the road. Uh, they had literally hotwired the car and, and drove it away, went for a joyride, and then ditched the car in another neighborhood somewhere. Wow. That's so LA. That that sounds so LA, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very LA story. That's true. Um, but yeah, no broken windows, nothing. It was just the bottom of the the steering wheel that was messed up. So my dad is a mechanic, so he fixed it up and sold the car. And uh, yeah, so that that's the story of my my first car ever. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. crazy. But I've never had any car issues since. So well, that's glad good. it was that car. Got them out early, right? It's the, yeah, it's the least valuable car I've ever owned. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, there you go. My guess is they ran out of gas <laughs> 15, <laughs> 15 minutes away, and we're just like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably so frustrated by his lack of horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, we can't make any progress on this thing. <laughs> that's my guess. Yeah. That is my guess. <laughs> Forget it. Why did we take this? <laughs> All right, so uh, we're talking youth ministry and theology. Shocking on the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast to be talking about such things. Uh, Kevin, you live in Southern California, uh, surrounded by many of the flagship attractional churches uh, that many of us are uh, familiar with. Um, so, without being you know unnecessarily critical or, or anything like that, uh, no shade. Um, could you share a little bit about how? your context and your setting uh, has shaped your own convictions about the role of theology and the gospel in youth ministry. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the Korean immigrant church and um, I actually grew up uh, as a Methodist. So I was a part of the Korean United Methodist church. Um, I did not and know so that. My, my, yeah, my own youth group experience wasn't so much driven by, I would say, uh, attractional youth ministry. Um, I actually think it was more influenced by what was going on with the first generation immigrant church. Um, and so the patterns and the things that were established in my life as a um, student in youth group, it really was, I think, modeled after um, what the first generation Korean church was doing. Um, but it was when I graduated um, high school, moved over into college and started volunteering in youth group that I myself started to be asking the question of, you know, this is how I grew up, but I wonder what are the other churches in our area doing? And that's actually when I started to do my own research into uh, what was happening in SoCal, 
Um, and there was definitely some of the larger organizations and ministries that were based out of SoCal that were making an impact in youth ministry. They were the ones publishing all the books. They were the ones publishing all the curriculum. And so um, as a volunteer and as somebody who was interested in uh, youth ministry, um, I would say I was more influenced not as a youth group student, but definitely as a college student, as a volunteer, started looking into these materials, trying to figure out what was going on. And I actually got a sense that what we were doing in our church context was quote-unquote wrong because we weren't reaching as many people as we should have been reaching. Um, So I think it was definitely in the name of evangelism that um, I started to be influenced by a lot of what was out there at the time. Um, And so um, I would say that drove my my understanding of youth ministry for the first couple years, for sure. Um, when I eventually uh, moved to the church that I'm at now and actually became a staff member at the church and started doing uh, middle school ministry, um, that was what I carried with me. And uh, the reason why I carried that with me was because that's what I thought you needed to do in order to do youth ministry yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and so the first five years of ministry, it was really sort of chasing after that goal of how do we get more students in the door because that's the goal. And then how do we get them to receive uh, the gospel as an invitation? And then how do we give them moral ways of living their life that would help them become better people? Like that was sort of the the model. Um, And then five years into ministry just had a, uh, honestly, a come to Jesus moment when I realized that that wasn't working in producing actual disciples for Jesus. And so there was a period of repentance. Um, and again, I always say God was gracious to point me in a direction where um, the sort of theology of my youth uh, was reintroduced in a way that actually helped me to see that my foundations were good. I didn't need to abandon those foundations. Um, and so there was a definitely a return back to um, an understanding of the gospel uh, that would eventually drive everything that we did in ministry. And so, um, I would say that the the most important thing for me, honestly, was recognizing what was truly good for creating um, lifelong disciples uh, versus what was good for getting people in the door. And learning the differences between those two was what really changed uh, the trajectory of my ministry. All right. So you said something interesting there. Um, well, you said many things interesting there, but one of the things that... Um, I, I want to um, ask you to elaborate a bit more on is, so you said that you previously thought the goal of youth ministry was to get people in the door, introduce them right. to Jesus, and then help them to basically live a Christian life. Right. Isn't that just the Great Commission? That's, so what, uh, if that's not the mission of youth group, then what is? Right, because that's yeah. usually the way it's presented, right? Yeah. If, you, yeah, yeah, if that's yeah, yeah. not your ministry philosophy, then you do not care about evangelism and you don't care about the Great Commission. So right. what is yeah. what is the, the mission of a youth ministry? Yeah. Um, I would say that the reason why I shifted away from that is because that doesn't actually... So getting people in the door, giving them the gospel invitation, and then giving them tools to live a moral life... Um, ultimately, in the end, it doesn't produce disciples. It produces people who are interested in maybe what the church can offer that's fun. Um, honestly, I think the thing that I found and discovered when I was 
um, in that process of sort of returning back to the theology of my uh, foundations was recognizing that I had helped the kids love me and I had helped the kids to love our church. But once they left our church, it was like they were in a place where they didn't have the things that they were normally used to. And so, why should I go to church anymore, right? Um, they're not doing the fun stuff that I'm used to. They're not doing all the things that we used to do. Um, it isn't like there's a there's an event of the week that's going on. And so, it was really, really easy for them to abandon the church and abandon Jesus because they weren't there for that to begin with. Um, they were there for the other things that we had provided. And so, um, I think recognizing that the model, it's like, it's that whole thing of what you win them with is what you win them to. Um, and so, that that would be why you can't make that the vision and the mission of the youth ministry, because ultimately it doesn't fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah. Uh, the Great Commission is fulfilled through the gospel itself, and uh, living a Christian life is fueled by the gospel itself. Um, it's not an invitation. The gospel is not just simply an invitation into that lifestyle, and then you do things um, mm-hmm. through your own effort, right? Um, so it's it's learning that, discovering that, and then realizing actually this is much this is a harder task. Um, it is a much more difficult task, uh, and it's it's that's where you realize that the the idea that the gospel is in some ways uh, deeply unattractive uh, to those that are just looking for um, a place to simply uh, belong, where there's no challenge uh, to live like Christ, where there's no challenge to deny yourself. Um, and so that's why I think what you win them, uh, with is what you win them to, uh, is an important concept to keep in mind. And yeah. so if you're winning people with the gospel uh, and, and, and through the gospel, then that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing as a, as a youth worker. So we shouldn't just do stupid stuff that's gross and possibly harmful or just shameful and humiliating and say anything for Jesus to get kids in the door. I mean, if you do stupid stuff because you're stupid, there's grace for that. <laughs> and trust me, I say that from somebody with a lot of experience in that area. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think there's definitely a space for silliness. But if, okay, so I'll put it this way. If all of the uh, ways that you want students to come to church uh, if all the announcements, if everything is focused on that silliness, I would say there's some hard searching that needs to happen. You know, like if you if you're using your social media channels, for example, um, as basically announcements for youth ministry, uh, and your social media channel is just filled with all of the fun and cool stuff that you guys are doing, but there isn't anything substantially sort of I would say Christ centered or gospel centered about the invitations. Um, then I, I would say there's there's some heart searching that needs to be there because mm. we don't want that to be the primary focus of our ministries. Because again, eventually, the thing about youth ministries, it's limited. You yeah. are going to have to send students away. You don't want to be a youth ministry that's filled with a bunch of 25-year-olds. That is a recipe for all sorts of disaster, right? Yeah. Um, and so, because we know we're sending them away, uh, we have to equip them for the, the, the broader church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what's happening in the broader church. Yeah. And if it were, honestly, I think we'd say you can't take that church seriously, right? Like if there was a a, congreg- a massive congregation down the street where every single week it was just like clown games the entire time. Yeah. Uh, I think we would question what they're doing and whether or not they're actually fulfilling the Great Commission. So why are we doing that in youth ministry? Yeah. I, yeah. I've I've had to have a few hard conversations with people over the years 
Um, basically just saying like, as a youth pastor, you've kind of be- turned yourself into a clown and no one respects mm-hmm. a clown or goes to a clown for pastoral care and pastoral advice. And um, you don't need to be super serious all the time. Um, right. But don't, you are not a jester as a yeah. youth pastor. And actually that was one of the things that got me to turn around was when I, I was, it was like, um, it was at a retreat the summer before I really had my uh, turn, I would say. Um, and I was at a retreat and it was with middle schoolers and there were a bunch of eighth graders sitting in the front row and we were about to start the service, uh, the worship service for the evening. And, um, I wasn't like warming up the crowd, but I was in the front talking to a student and then I turned around and a bunch of them were like, Hey, Pastor Kevin, uh, why don't you tell us a joke? And I just like quipped back, like, is that all you guys think I'm good for? Like to tell you guys jokes? And they're like, that's what you do every single Sunday. And that's the only reason why we're here. And I laughed it off, but like that Oof. bothered me for the rest of the weekend. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, do they only see me as a source of humor? Yeah. You know, I am because I had won them over. Yeah. Right. I have won. I had won them over with humor. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a, yeah, I think that was the start of it was recognizing that idea of like, what have I become to the students, you know? Um, And so realizing that that's, that's not doing anyone any favors. Yeah. 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 So one of, one of the things that I really appreciate about you is that you are very text driven in the way that you teach, um, but you don't shy away from digging into the theological issues that are raised by the passage. Um, but I've also heard, I think we've all, we've all heard sermons that basically just become a series of theological talking points. And then you're like, okay, but you're not really preaching the passage and you're not really applying this to anyone's real life. Like this message is now Mm. just a theological lecture. So can you walk us through how you decide whether or not it's worth digging into a theological question or an exegetical nuance um, or if that would be a distraction from teaching the big idea of the passage. Yeah. So two things uh, in terms of guiding principles for me. One is um, because I always have a weekly Bible study that I'm running, um, I have a pretty good sense of what students are interested in theologically, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm, for example, preaching through an Old Testament book, Generally speaking, I like to do a New Testament Bible study or the other way around, um, just so we're getting um, a bit of both every single semester. Um, And then what we do during our Bible studies is I'm always constantly trying to dig up uh, the theological issues, the doctrinal issues uh, that I think the students would be interested in. And they'll take the bait. They won't take the bait. Some of our Bible studies have been completely derailed by certain doctrines that the students at the time are interested in. Um, Like, for example, I would say of the... (laughs) The last 18 years of youth ministry, um, predestination is always going to be one that students are interested in. Always. Like, whenever the word comes up in a, you know, Pauline letter or something like that, like, they always want to focus on it. What does this mean? Yep. How does this work? Um, and so, honestly, if um, concepts or uh, certain verses or certain uh, stories lend itself towards talking about that issue, um, I actually, generally speaking, will try to address it in some small way. Um, just as a way for students to understand, like, mm-hmm. this is not just found in the New Testament, yep. it's also found in the Old Testament and vice versa. Um, so, it really, the Bible studies where I'm actually having conversations with students about the text, that's generally speaking the guiding light or the guiding star yeah. um, for what I do do or don't cover um, with regards to the actual um, preaching itself. 
Um, and generally that's worked out pretty well. I do think that that's, um, at least for me, helped me to understand that not, not only am I driven by what's in the text, but I'm driven by who I'm actually speaking to. Yeah. And so that particular audience I know is going to be interested in this and then uh, we'll go from there. So I, I try to keep it relevant in that sense. Um, and I know that if there's certain stuff that comes up, um, you know, during our Baba studies that I know that they're not as interested in, then I'm just going to go ahead and gloss right over some of that stuff mm-hmm. in um, the Old Testament. Yeah. And I bring up predestination because like literally I had to cover that for the last month. Like every week there was just a ton of conversations yeah. about it. Yeah. And it was really interesting because I'm actually preaching through First Samuel now. And uh, there's a story in First Samuel 19 where Saul is chasing after David to try to murder him. And um, David is, has run away uh, to Samuel, the prophet, and uh, Samuel is surrounded by priests who are prophesying. And so every group of p- messengers that Saul sends to try to get David, uh, they end up joining that crowd and prophesying as well. Yeah. And then Saul's like, you know what? I'm going to do this myself. Got to get, if you want to get something done, you have to do it yourself. And he goes over and he starts prophesying as well. And it's this idea, the big picture idea is that the Holy Spirit is the one who ultimately is watching out for David and saves David. But I brought up the point, because again, we've been talking about predestination. Uh, What does it mean for God to override Saul's free will in this case to have him prophesy? And I was like, God can and he will do it if it um, serves his purposes. Um, So that was really interesting to see students' faces like, Oh, like <laughs> there are stories that back up these verses in yeah. the New Testament. So, yeah. So that that would be an example of like why I would do that and why I would say that. Mm-hmm. If we weren't talking about predestination, honestly, I probably wouldn't have yeah. talked about that at all. Yeah. But it's because we've been in it for the last couple of weeks. Okay. So, yeah. so if that's the way that you do it currently, uh, what have you learned the hard way about teaching theologically? Ooh. Um, when I first really got into like, all right, we are going to cover doctrine, <laughs> uh, the, the Calvinist cage stage, so to speak. Um, I think that what I learned the hard way was not everything I'm interested in is necessarily what the students are mm-hmm. interested in. And I definitely have hobby horses, um, that I want to get into, um, and I just, I can't force this. They're just, it's boring for them. Yeah. And I don't want to turn the Bible into an academic textbook. Um, I really want them to see that the Bible is God's living word. Yeah. And so the living word um, aspect of Bible teaching really comes from how do we ask a good questions that draw out um, good applications from the text. Um, but asking good questions honestly requires me to know the students and to be open to letting the students almost guide sometimes where the Bible studies go based off of their questions um, and to see their interest. And also, I will say, generally speaking, I have a tendency, because I'm kind of an introvert, extrovert, and definitely when I'm in youth ministry, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. Um, I have a tendency to, to um, not so much draw out good questions from the introverts, but I've learned actually over the years that sometimes they're the deepest thinkers, right? Because they're internal processing and not externally processing. And so sometimes giving the internal processors a moment uh, to think about it and then ask a question, oh, those have been some of the best discussions for sure. Yeah. Um, So, I guess one, and you and I have talked about this before um, over the years. Um, 
But sometimes when we talk about uh, the role of theology in youth ministry, um, I think in both of our contexts, sometimes that can sound like we're saying that we should become theology professors in the youth room, right? Like that that's kind of the assumption that people have when we say that we should be teaching theologically. Um, what what do you mean when you say we should, you know, we should be theologically deep and we should teach biblically and theologically um, without just becoming theology professors? Yeah, I think the best kind of preaching that is theologically rich unpacks something about Jesus that I love or or the God that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, the ways that I'm diving into theological concepts is always through the lens of how does this help me to love the Lord more? And therefore, how is this going to be something that really draws out an interest in who God is uh, to the students? So, um, just by way of example, like, um, again, I'll use an example from 1 Samuel because that's that's where I'm in right now. Um, the ways that David, the story of David and Goliath, for example, yeah. um, I think you can teach that in a way that tells the narrative really well. Um, and I think the story itself is very interesting. And in fact, if you dive into the details of that story, uh, there's a lot of things there that actually, if you only are only familiar with sort of like a children's ministry Bible, you know, you just, you miss a lot of the details. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I, I, I tried to do is in that passage, there's actually this detail that Goliath had a shield bearer. And a lot of people forget that the shield bearer's job is to step in front to block uh, whatever is coming, arrows and such, right? And a stone is flung just like an arrow. But what happens is because Goliath is mocking God so much and mocking the Israelites so much that when David shows up, Goliath doesn't take him seriously whatsoever. Like he is not concerned at all about the God of Israel, uh, the army of Israel, like he doesn't care. And so his protection, which is supposed to be this armor bearer or this uh, shield bearer, Goliath moves past him to attack David. And that's what makes him vulnerable. And so I, I pointed out that detail that a lot of students wouldn't have been familiar with, but I made the theological bridge and the leap to say that essentially this is what people who don't fear God are doing. Because they don't fear God, they are vulnerable to yeah. the the evil and the wickedness that's in the world in ways that we as believers are not. That's really good. Um, and so I, I was I was basically trying to make the point by using a detail that I thought was really interesting and that they, that's a fresh detail that a lot of students wouldn't have heard before, but then tying it into this theological concept of what does it mean to be um, protected by the Lord? Uh, and part of that is fearing God is how we are protected by, um, by the Lord, right? It's, it's our fear of the Lord that causes us not to go out from under his protection. Uh, and that's, you know, Goliath is somebody that didn't fear the Lord. And so the story, I, I, I explained it this way, the story would have gone a lot more differently had Goliath had even a tiny ounce of fear, yeah, right? Because a shield bearer would have blocked that rock and <laughs> Goliath would have thrown a spear and David's a goner and history would be a completely different place, you mm-hmm. know? And that's, that's all it took. It just took Goliath stepping out in front of his shield bearer. And so, um, yeah, that's just a quick example of like, 
what I mean when I'm talking about theology. It's it's really trying to use the details of what the Bible presents to us yeah. and then giving students an insight into God's character. Because they've heard it before, like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, but what does that mean, yeah. right? And how do we draw those concepts out? That's why actually my favorite kind of preaching is narrative preaching. Like, I love the narratives of the Bible. And I think that's where I can get the students most interested. So, generally, I mean, as especially as of the last couple of years, I've really tried to use Old Testament stories to draw New Testament um, concepts. Yeah. 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 No, and, and that fits um, as who you are, right? As, as a storyteller. Um, that's true. And that, yeah, that, is true. that makes sense. Um, so, a, as we wrap up our conversation just about simple theology and youth ministry, uh, what other... Um, you know, nuggets of, of wisdom or possible resources or um, anything else that you want to share with our listeners about teaching theology simply and clearly uh, for real students? Um, one of the things that I love to recommend to read regularly is actually the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm, love it. Um, by Sally yeah. Lloyd-Jones. Um, I, I, I read that because I have younger kids and we're reading that um, with our kids. Um, and it just, it always brings me back to that place of just re- trying to remember that the best theology and the best teaching is always pointing to Jesus himself. Um, and so I think there's a tendency for those of us who are more theologically inclined, I think, to sidestep that sometimes mm-hmm. because there's something that's interesting in the text that we want to get towards. But I think we lose the the big picture and we lose the point if we're not getting to how our teaching points us to Jesus. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I still make this mistake all the time um, because I'm a flawed human being. Um, but I think that's why a resource like that just helps me to remember that everything is about Jesus ultimately. And it, it, it does it in a simple way that has almost, I mean, the, the amount of times that we've read the book has become almost a liturgy for us, yeah. you know, in a lot yeah. of ways, because those phrases, because she's a fantastic writer and those phrases and, um, some of the things that she talks about, about who Jesus is, like it bounces around in my heart and in my head. And so I think it provides a rhythm for how we preach Jesus from the text. Yeah. So I would say that's, that's definitely one thing. Um, and then, um, oh, I have it in my bookcase here. Um, Andrew Wilson. Okay. He's written an awesome little tiny book. Um, I got this from 10 of those yeah. and it's called Unbreakable. Oh. And it basically walks through how Jesus fulfills every part of the entire Bible, mm-hmm. how the Bible is about Jesus from A to Z. And it has some, again, super short and easy to read. I actually think this would be a great one to walk through with students, especially if let's say you're a new youth worker that's come into a church where they're not necessarily gospel centered and things haven't been about yeah. Jesus. If you did a Bible study just based off of this book, um, I think that would prime the entire group to be like, wow, this is what, good preaching. This is what good teaching is supposed to sound like. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely and, and recommend what's the name of that? like this for sure. This one's called Unbreakable. It says, What the Son of God Said About the Word of God by Andrew Wilson. But it really is just how Jesus is the fulfillment yeah. of the entire scriptures. Yeah, okay. it's really yeah, good. That sounds it's good. It's really good. And it's super short. Yeah, super helpful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's such a good Bible study for students. Yeah. Um, I, I think yeah. for youth workers, I'd also add um, The Unfolding Mystery by Edmund Clowney is mm. really good. 
Um, that's the first book I can remember reading that opened my eyes to that. And uh, Graham Goldsworthy's yeah, book, 100%. According to Plan. Both of those books are really, really excellent. Um, they're uh, fairly brief, so they're not a huge tome to, to comb through. <laughs> uh, but they're just both really, really excellent resources on that topic, too. So Yeah, for sure. All right, Kevin, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. So it's always good to to be with you. Um, so even if Clark couldn't join us this morning. So <laughs> yeah, just remember Thor is the best oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> All right. So uh, you can find Thanos to Theos anywhere podcasts are found. And um, yeah, we'd enjoy uh, you listening in to those conversations too. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus and we'll see you next week.